Tonight's thought. I was thinking that the longest lasting relationship I've ever had in my life, outside of my immediate family, of course, has been my bank. You know, I've got my friends and, um, my wife, of course, who I've been married to now for six years. We've been together almost 12. And yeah, none of it stacks up to this uh, relationship that I've had uh, with a banking institution. I guess that is until, of course, you know, last year when I had to break it off once and for all. You know, I remember the day that we met, my bank and I. It was uh, Christmas Day, and my dad, who uh, worked for a bank, uh, gave me a present of a savings account. He gave me uh, a little box that uh, had a little sheet that said that I had, you know, $45. Um, that he had given me. He had put it in a savings account, and I was not to touch it until I absolutely needed it. And I was very naive back then. I didn't know uh, what the deal was with savings accounts. I, I didn't understand. So it's like money, but I can't have it right now. I put it in, and, and it grows. Like, it, th this whole thing of interest, I didn't know any of these things. And I wouldn't for many years, right? In fact, I don't even think I touched that savings account or really did anything with the bank until I was probably in high school and started working, right? But it, it was the, the, the beginning of a sometimes beautiful, sometimes rocky, sometimes downright horrible relationship, right, with the, with the American banking system. Probably if I had known all that we would go through, my bank and I, I would have just uh, said to my dad, thank you very much, but uh, no thanks. I'll just go with cash. It was a very long relationship. And over the years, we, we stuck it out through thick and thin, my bank and I. We went through like a lot of very uh, difficult times, some very good times when we started uh, actually growing the relationship by me making money and putting some bank in the account and, and uh, you know, some money in the account. And then I got my debit card. And uh, we would go all over the place, my bank and I. We would go uh, to bookstores, get coffee. 
shop for movies, it was always there for me. Occasionally, of course, it would betray me. Allowing me to buy things without me having the required funds. And uh, I would, of course, get a call a few days later from my bank saying that uh, you're overdrawn. You need to pay a certain fee as a penalty. But, you know, generally it was good. And, and back then, when my dad gave me this savings account and I started this relationship with my bank, it was called AmSouth. Because my dad worked for AmSouth. And uh, I, I always stuck with this bank account, uh, even in this weird trying period in the early 2000s when my bank went through a transition. And it became Regions Bank, and I continued to hold fast to that bank account, right? I got a new debit card, and... Uh, after a little confusion of not really knowing how to deal with this relationship, we, we just went, we went on, we went forward, we pressed on for many more years, right? Until, until a few years ago, I started seeing another bank. And, you know, that was tough. I started seeing uh, Chase Bank because, quite honestly, the spark had run out of the relationship between me and Regions, the small regional bank. But Chase was like Hollywood. It was big time, right? It's even in the name, Chase Manhattan. Okay? It's a big city bank, and it took me all over the world Metaphorically, it had all these great reward incentives for signing up with it, right? Cash back, for instance. Amazon rewards. And uh, everywhere I went with the Chase Bank, it seemed to give back to me a, a little bit more than I put into it. When I would go out with my region's debit card, it wouldn't give me anything, right? But I had now a Chase Freedom Unlimited card. And every time I used it if I if I pulled it out and I and I, I I tapped it right at the cash register it would give me just a little bit of something back right for putting something into that relationship and it was fantastic it was like I fell in love all over again The world was renewed. Every once in a while, I would go out with the Regents card, just for old times' sake. Take it for a spin. But it just wasn't the same anymore. <laughs> I remember that last night. I was going to cancel the Regions card the next morning because the bank started requiring that I have a minimum amount of funds in the account or else I would have to pay 
eight dollars every month as a uh, as a service charge just for holding the card. And it was a tough decision to make because I mean I, this was uh, just last year I think, and I was like, it's been a wonderful road. I, I got this thing in the fourth grade. And now here I am, 38 years old, about to break it off. The longest relationship I've ever had. And I took the card out for one last night. We went to dinner and a movie. I thought about all the great times we'd had. And then the next day, I made the call. I had the phone in one hand and the card in the other. And as I began to talk to the clerk and say that I'd like to cancel my account, I just kind of felt a little bit of life suck out into the air. And here in Birmingham, I was driving down the road the other day and I saw that Chase is opening a branch for the first time ever here in town and it just feels like a major life transition, right? I feel like we're moving in together or something. from Birmingham, Alabama. This is the Midnight Citizen Show. Thank you so much for joining me here tonight. I'm your host, Mike Booty. Coming to you again, my second week in a row after a long hiatus. It is now February 12th, 2022. It's great to have you here. Yeah. Let's get some more exciting stuff going on here now. It feels like I'm about to bring you the news or something. <laughs> yeah, it's. I got this thing in the mail this week. This is my bank statement from Chase. I was looking down at. You know, we used to keep these diaries when we were kids. We were told to keep diaries and uh, just to talk about our lives because, uh, you know, we'll always look at our lives later on and just, I guess, wonder what it was all about or wonder if we were like doing the right thing. What events, what thoughts put us onto the paths that we're currently taking. And uh, for many years, I've actually had this diary that I, I got in the fourth grade around the same time that uh, my dad opened up a savings account for me which I officially, I did. I disbanded it. I took the money out, all of it. Now, it wasn't much, but uh, I took it out. 
you know, this is money that had been growing from this very small seed of $45 uh, back in, that I first got back in like 1991 or 92, right? And uh, so my teacher gave me uh, this journal. It, it's like a, a hardback book with like a jeans cover. I think those are like woman's jeans. I don't know. I think I got like, I was like probably sick one day and I got there the next day after they had all gotten their journals. So I got whatever was left. And uh, on the front cover is like this illustrator. When you open up the, the book, there's this illustration of my drawing style in the fourth grade. It just says my life scribbled in pencil and like uh, like a peace sign right there and like a football player even though I didn't really care about football I don't know and the way that I always signed my name back then Michael W. Booty right there it is and so yeah there, there's all these uh, something just fell out it's like a, a receipt for UPS I don't know just fell out of there okay but yeah there's all these uh, journal entries that I have from uh August 31st of 1993. And it goes forward all the way to... Like, in here is my trip to Disney World, fully documented in 1994. The last entry is... January 20th, 1998. So I would have been a freshman in high school. So I didn't necessarily write in it every single day, but, uh, but yeah, there's like drawings in here, illustrations of like things that I was into, like my first CD player. Here's an illustration of when I was like getting into guitar right there. In case you're listening to this on audio, there is a live stream of tonight's show, by the way, and it is on video. It's on youtube.com. Slash Mike Booty, if you want to see these drawings and embarrassing journal entries. August 31st, 1993. Dear Journal, fifth grade is really great. It's really nice, and you have really nice teachers. Miss Trot, my science teacher, is real nice, but she assigns a lot of homework. Last year, on the first day of school, I walked into Miss Smith's room, and I was really nervous. But this year, when I walked into Miss Woodward's room, I wasn't scared at all because I wasn't new to the school. I really do like fifth grade because I've been working hard and I'm going to keep on working hard until the day when I graduate. So, right. So this is a journal that I had really no incentive to pick up unless I was just really bored and uh, wanted to, I don't know, or I was really excited about something and I was so excited that I had to just write it down. And uh, in really a lot of ways, it's uh, the early precursor to this show, which is really just a journal of some kind. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got a big backlog of shows going back to 2011, even though I started the show in 2010. But anyway, I, I had no incentive to pick this up. And then there is this the, these bank statements that I get. And most of the time, I just shred these. I throw them away. I don't look at them. Because uh, I, I can just look online if, I'm, if I want to see what I spent. But uh, Chase still sends me these 
bank statements on paper once a month. And I guess I can opt out of that. I thought I did, but because uh, I don't like wasting paper. I, I like being nice to the environment. But when, when you look down these, you, you just have like this complete catalog of your life, right? And I, I remember everything about the last month that where, where I was, I have like emotional ties to this bank statement. So like, I'm looking down at it and I see like, you know, oh, January 31st, I went to Second and Charles. Like that was a day that I, I went to this uh, bookstore, this used bookstore, Second and Charles with my niece Maddie because she was staying in town and, uh, you know, my, my niece Maddie, she's uh, 13 and uh, I went and got her a book. I went, went and got her like a Sailor Moon book because she's really into Sailor Moon. I got myself a book, right? That was a nice day. I remember that. Uh, here's one January 7th, Squarespace. Yeah, I bought a new website, right? I designed a new website for my copywriting business. I'm, I'm not plugging here, but if you want to check it out, it's thecopycabin.com. Okay. January 1st, The Essential. That was uh, my New Year's Day uh, dinner date with my wife, Jessica. Watches Unlimited, right? When I got my watch fixed, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm looking over here. Oh, Vitola, Vitola, Vitola. Yeah, I went to the cigar bar a lot in January, by the way. Because <laughs> it's cold outside. I like to smoke cigars inside, right? Yeah, so like just looking through this bank statement, it's a complete catalog of my life. And a very, very close relationship indeed that we have with our banking institutions. It's almost like this uh, Thomas Pynchon postmodern commentary on how our lives are all tied to technology or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I hope you're uh, doing well tonight. And uh, yeah, it's been a week here on earth. In February, got my hair cut this week. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure that'll show up on my bank statement next month. And I'll probably be like, wow, I paid way too much for that haircut. But no, it was a good haircut. Just joking. Yeah, the, the, the haircut is like something that uh, I always I always dread a little bit because it's one of the few life situations where you really do have to sit down and, and, and have a conversation with a stranger and, uh, and, uh, you know, you're, you're sitting there in the barber chair for like 30, 35 minutes. And it's always kind of tense to me a little bit because I'm not good at making small talk and especially not small talk for 35 minutes with this person who, you know, you don't really have close ties with, uh, you're not going to see them again for like another month or so until you get another haircut. So it's one of these things being, getting a haircut is, is always like, I almost dread it a little bit more than going to the dentist because at least in the dentist, you know, you've got like your, your mouth open. You got somebody who's like hands in your mouth, so you can't really talk. And uh, yeah, I went, I went to the dentist one time and the guy was trying to make small talk with me. <laughs> Every time he asked me a question, he'd take his hands out of my mouth so that I could respond to him. And it ended up really dragging out the appointment a very long time. 
<laughs> so, but no, I mean, nevertheless, when I go get a haircut, it's just like sitting there and just really trying to find something to talk about with this person. And I think in like, in, in recent years, I've gotten pretty good at it, just sitting there and saying enough at the beginning, just to kind of cut the ice, like tell a few jokes or whatever, or, uh, you know, talk about like what's in the news or something, maybe not that, but and then you just kind of go silent and just let the guy do his job because you realize that uh, when you're doing your job, you don't really like people to talk to you and distract you. So it's I've gotten a little bit better at just being silent in the barber chair because I always used to think that they'd think I was rude or something sitting there just not talking to them. So I'd force myself to make conversation. Um, but this week w- was not that bad. I went to this uh, Stephen Gregory uh, uh, you know, hair salon for men. I don't know. It's one of these like, you know, kind of, I wouldn't call it like a hipster barbershop or anything, but it's, it's, you know, all barbershops seem to be like splitting into two camps. You know, you got your, like your old school barbershop where you got like these old men, you got like football on the television, you got like, uh, you know, car and driver magazines spread out on the table there. And, uh, you know, they're sitting there and they want to talk to you about the weather and, uh, it's like you can tell they don't want to talk, but because they're like old school, it's like that's what you do when you're getting your hair cut. Uh, it's like uh, Floyd the Barber on the old Andy Griffith show, right? And so I, I started going to these new salons. Like the, there's uh, this single barrel barber shop, and there's the Stephen Gregory salon where uh, it's like, you know, people my age cutting hair who kind of grew up with the same aversion to small talk, I think, as I did. I, I don't know if this is just me, but I, I definitely feel like people have an aversion to small talk these days. Like they, they're, And I, I don't know what that is. I guess you could call it social media effects or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, the, the guy was like totally cool just to like stand there and cut my hair and I didn't have to talk, and occasionally we would talk, but there wasn't like pressure to. So I got to say, it uh, it was a very comfortable, comfortable haircut, and it turned out really well too. It was very modern too. Like right a- after that, like they uh, took my picture for Instagram and all that, so they were all on social media. Like I looked, and the guy who cut my hair, his uh, his Instagram handle was like uh, uh, printed on the mirror in front of me, so. You know, it was just a very, very new, modern way to uh, to get your hair cut in uh, the 21st century. So, and yeah, today I uh, went to go see my wife Jessica's play that uh, she had just finished directing over at Birmingham Children's Theater. Which was very exciting. The last play that my wife uh, directed was right before COVID. Uh, She directed uh, Shakespeare's uh, Macbeth, which I think it's okay to say that. You know, the thing about Macbeth is you can't really say the name of the actual play. It's like a theater superstition. But I think that only is like when you're in the theater. So I think I think it's okay for me to say it because I'm I'm not in a theater. Although I am putting on a show right now, so I don't know. 
So you're supposed to call it the Scottish play. And uh, apparently it's like this theater superstition or it's a tradition that that goes back hundreds of years to when the play was first produced in like the early 1600s. I think like the guy playing Macbeth got stabbed on stage or something. And it's weird because like, weren't they in the Renaissance? Weren't they like all age of enlightenment or Renaissance? You know, they were, they were like, Oh, there's a reason. There's a scientific explanation for everything. But no, they were like still sticking with the superstition from the dark ages. It's like, oh, it's probably because we said the name of the play. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. So Jessica finally got another directing job coming out of COVID. At uh, Birmingham Children's Theater. She directed the show called The uh, True Story of the Three Little Pigs. <laughs> Yeah, this this Birmingham Children's Theater is like uh it's a place I've been going to. Maybe this relationship is actually longer than my bank. I don't know. I've been going to the children's theater since uh probably kindergarten. I mean, this place has been there for 70 years. It's down there in the uh, Birmingham Jefferson Civic Center. They've got this space there that uh I don't think it's always been there. The BJCC's been there since the 70s and I think the children's theater has been there the whole time with it. But yeah, ever since I was in kindergarten, I would go to shows uh, at this, uh, at this place. And it's like when I was a kid, you know, you just walk in and it's this huge cavernous theater space, gigantic. It's something like 1500 seats. And of course, when you're a kid, everything seems really, really big. And so something that is actually big is just uh impossible to wrap your little head around and I would walk in there when I was a kid with like on on field trips with, with my school to go see these shows and uh, I would look at the people on stage and a lot of the times they actually cast kid actors and I, I kind of wanted to be an actor at that point because it's like these kids it's like a school day and they're, they're not in school. They're up there on stage performing. How cool is that? But then I felt, no, I mean, it's like you, you've really got to do something amazing and be incredibly talented to be on this huge stage in this big epic space called Birmingham Children's Theater. And I, I just felt like when I, when I was a kid that that, that, that dream was unattainable <laughs> It was a very cynical uh, six-year-old, seven-year-old kid, right? One show I remember in particular going to was in the third grade around Christmas time. We went to go see this show called the, Burm uh, the, the, the Best Christmas Pageant Ever, okay? It's based on this uh, book from the 60s. And there was this little girl on stage, and no doubt, I was sort of sitting there being like, man, I cannot, I, I, I wish that uh, I could be in her position, not, not, not in school right now and commanding the attention of everybody in this theater, all, the, uh, all of my friends and all the girls that I liked, you know. I wish I could be in that position. And then fast forward about, you know, 20 years later and I'm married to that girl. <laughs> uh, 
yeah, Jessica and I, uh, we, we went through some of her old uh, shows that she did, and uh, no doubt we were in that same room, right, around 1991. I was in the audience, and she was on stage sharing this thing called the best Christmas pageant ever. Unique, you know. It's crazy how, how life works out like that sometimes. So... Yeah, we go see this show called The Best Christmas Pageant Ever. And I'm just thinking, uh, how amazing. And no, no, what's interesting is that uh, Jessica, when she was a little girl there, uh, her mom was uh, kind of big in the theater scene at, the, at that time, you know, directing a lot of shows and everything. And, and then Jessica's grown up, and now she is directing shows as well, kind of following her mom's footsteps, so... So I went down uh, with uh, Jessica today to go see uh, the, the, the true story of the Three Little Pigs, which is based on this book that came out uh, kind of uh, around the turn of the century, meaning like the early 2000s, which is so weird when we say that, <laughs> the turn of the century. Um, and the show was made in about 2010 or so, and it, it's, it's a cute show. You know, the idea is that uh, the, uh, the big bad wolf is being put on trial by all these pigs, for uh, huffing and puffing and blowing down two pig houses and then attempting to blow down the third, right? And so they bring the wolf on stage who decides to defend himself, okay? And it's a show where, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the bailiff comes out at the beginning and swears in the whole audience, which I think is like a really cool touch. That the 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 little wolf bail or the pig bailiff comes out and uh, gets all the kids to stand up and say I solemnly swear and like has it repeat after him and right and so I'm sitting there you know today like watching all these kids and and, and the show is uh, it's interesting it's uh, it makes this very early reference to uh, the song Piggies by the Beatles. There's a lot of Beatles references in the show, and I, I I was trying to figure out why. And Jessica said that this the cast had the same exact question, like why are there so many Beatles references in a show that has nothing to do about you know with with the Beatles, right? So like at the beginning they say like you know there's all these piggies just living their piggy lives, right? <laughs> and then there's characters in that like every single character just about in the play is named after. A Beatles character like there's Rocky the bailiff you know like Rocky Raccoon the uh judge's name is Juris Prudence <laughs> uh what else yeah the one surviving pig that comes out comes out with like a little hammer and his name is Maxwell which I <laughs> which is one of the more obscure references in the show Maxwell Silver Hammer right yeah, so they uh, they they come out and uh, it's and I, I I guess I figure that it's really all of these shows are just kind of done because they have this immediate need to entertain children. That's the most important thing. It's like entertain the kids because it's a show for kids. But kids can't really go to shows by themselves. They have to bring their parents, and and the parents are the one who are ones who are paying all the money to to bring their kids to see the show. So the parents have to be to some degree entertained as well because they're going to find whatever excuse they can to not take their kids again 
if they weren't entertained in some way by the show. So I guess that that was the point of all the Beatles references. It's just to kind of, you know, give the give the parents like little Easter eggs and stuff, kind of the same way that they do uh, like the Pixar movies. The Pixar movies are like made for kids, but they have a ton of like adult value in them, too. Right. Getting the adults to sort of see things on a deeper level and, a you know, deeper themes and all that. Right. So. So, yeah, at the end of the show. What I thought was a nice touch and something that you you want to do whenever you're you're making a show for little children is you want to get them involved. So they had to swear in at the beginning and then they sit there and listen to the testimony of you know, all the piggy witnesses. There's like a nice little nod to that movie, My Cousin Vinny, where like this blind as a bat pig comes out who's like their only eyewitness and and the wolf defending himself goes way out into the audience and asks the pig like, uh, you know, how many hooves am I holding up or whatever, right? And so at the end of the show, the, the, the audience has to uh, vote and deliberate, right? Whether or not the uh, the wolf is uh, guilty or not guilty. Okay. So yeah, they. Uh, I I I was actually pretty I I was pretty set on the fact that the wolf was actually guilty because the wolf, his his whole story is is that. He wasn't huffing and puffing. He wasn't like deliberately blowing these houses down. Uh, he had a really his story was that he had a really bad cold. And so every time he huffed and puffed, he was really just sneezing. And the sneeze was so powerful that it was, it was blowing these, these houses down. These houses made of sticks and uh, what's the other one? There's one made of bricks, one made of sticks, and one made of uh, leaves or something. I can't remember what it was. Anyway. <laughs> so... That was the wolf story. And when the wolf like accidentally sneezed and blew down these houses, the sneeze was so powerful that the, the, the pigs just died in the collapse. And the wolf felt that since he was like already there and the pig was dead, I mean, why waste a perfectly good pig? So he went ahead and ate them. Okay. Right. And so, you know, the, the wolf is like the whole idea of the show is that it's trying to get the kids to see that there are two sides to every story. Okay. And, uh, you know, the wolf has this big song about like, you know, what if cheeseburgers had eyes and what if they could talk to you or purr or whatever? Would you still eat them? Right. It's like, I'm a wolf. It's my nature to eat things, even no matter how cute and adorable they are. So I I, th I thought, yeah, but I don't know. At the same time, I don't eat pigs, right? And so that that I guess I could kind of empathize with the wolf because the thing about it is if I'm at a party and all there are, are ham sandwiches and somebody's either going to somebody's going to offer me a ham sandwich and if I say no, then they're just going to throw it away, so that pig died for nothing. So I guess I might as well eat the pig. I understand that. But I don't know. I think like my whole thing is that I just didn't believe the wolf. The wolf's story was was bullshit. Okay, I don't believe he really did have a cold or whatever, because the thing about colds is like they they kind of deplete your appetite. They don't really make you like they make you want to like, you know, just drink liquids. They don't really make you hungry. So the wolf is saying that he's going to both houses. 
with a bad cold uh, asking the pigs for like sugar because apparently he's baking a cake for his grandmother. And so, I don't know. It just seems like the first house that the wolf should have looked around in all the rubble and found the sugar that he needed and just gone home. But no, he had to go to the next house too. So I just didn't believe the wolf. It just, his, his story just didn't add up. But apparently I was like the one angry pig. <laughs> I was the one dissenting pig in like this room full of like piggy jurors, that being the audience, right? Because all the kids started applauding and, and they found the wolf not guilty. Which Jessica tells me they've done the show three times now and every time they've found the wolf not guilty. And there's a different ending if, if he's indeed found guilty, right? But anyway. But yeah, I was interested because, you know, the, the, the book came out um you know in the in like the early 2000s and clearly i think what it's trying to do is it's for adults anyway or it's trying to like make this comment about the oj simpson trial because that was still very much on people's minds in the early 2000s you know for a lot of people and for a whole generation like mine for instance the oj simpson trial is how we kind of found out about adjudication um, in America. And we found out about how there are two sides to, to every story and how prejudice very often creeps into our decisions about whether or not to find somebody guilty or not guilty. And the whole thing about the O.J. Simpson trial was that uh, that was definitely a trial that was, it was tried in the media, it was tried with a whole lot of public opinion that wasn't necessarily based on the facts right and so yeah oj simpson was found uh, not guilty and again there are uh, it's fascinating if you watch the two side-by-side -side reactions of white people and black people watching that verdict because the black people are all cheering and the white people can't believe it because they're like the evidence is so honestly against this right so I was really surprised, honestly, that the kids found the wolf not guilty. And in a way, it kind of gives me hope, right, for the future of America, because maybe we are getting past our prejudices and looking at the facts, right? So I don't know. It's good. Yeah. The wolf was found not guilty by an all-white meat jury. We've been talking long enough. Let's uh, take a break here and listen to some music. I'll be back in a few minutes. Enjoy.
got a letter just this morning. It was okay. Welcome back here into the Midnight Citizen Studio on Saturday night, February twelfth, twenty twenty-two. Hope you enjoyed that music break. Giving me a little chance to get up and uh, yeah. stretch my vocal cords. Yeah, you heard some good music just now. First up, we had the Machine Stops by the Misery Slims. And then that last one you heard was a song called The Milky Way by Hollands of CCO from the album An Ocean in Outer Space. Yeah, if you like that music, you can find it in the show notes, links to it. And it'll take you to the free music archive, this wonderful uh, curated source of uh, Creative Commons music, perfectly licensable for uh, shows like mine and yours, if you're interested. Yeah, and I just want to remind you, this is the Midnight Citizen Show. You can find me online at mikebooty.com slash themidnightcitizen. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. If there's something that I'm not on, let me know, and I'll get on there, all right, once I get the chance. And you can also watch the uh, the live stream of the show over at YouTube.com slash Mike Booty. Yeah, I've been doing live streams now for a couple of years, even though I'm not actually live streaming this right now. I'm going to put it up a little, a little later. <laughs> but it is a video, and uh, you can see a video of the entire show, right? And yeah, while I was uh, playing uh, the music there just now, I was uh, streaming a live webcam. It's it's a new feature that I'm uh, doing here on the uh, Midnight Citizen uh, videocast, where uh, each week I'm going to be putting up a live stream of some place on Earth, right? As it happens, right now. Take a look at what Night on Earth is about, right? So it's a new feature I call Night Cam. Night Cam, yeah. So where were we tonight? So I, I, I took you to the uh, Teeny Martini Bar in St. Augustine, Florida, right? It's a nice, uh, just describing it for you here, right? It's a nice place. It's uh, right there on the, on the water. A bunch of people hanging out under, like, fiery torches. It looks like it's kind of raining there. Some people are, like... Uh, covering their their heads with their flannel jackets yeah what's going on there <laughs> or no 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 the person isn't uh covering their head it's not raining they're just trying to be silly they look uh, kind of like a cornholio like beavis whenever he gets too much sugar oh, it must be cold there i think that's what she's doing she's like covering her ears <laughs> this makes no sense to you if you're listening to me on audio right but uh you know, it could, if you go over to uh, youtube.com slash Mike Booty and watch this episode, episode number 232 of the Midnight Citizen Show, episode number 232. Thank you for joining me here tonight.
Yeah, go, going to the children's theater uh, as an adult uh, always gets me thinking about just uh, how, indeed, you know, everything when you're a kid just seems so big and unattainable. And uh, I, I think, like, the thing that's so special and maybe a little bit so miserable about being my age, around my age, what the kids these days are calling elder millennials, you know, people who were born in the early 80s, right, is that we were, we were part of that, like, last death rattle of what it meant to have locally sourced entertainment, right, where cable was still coming into its own and most of the entertainment that you got was really on these like local television stations. And uh, indeed, I'm looking at my window right now at Red Mountain. I'm looking at the uh, the blinking red lights on top of the antennas there. And that that when I was a kid, that's where a lot of my entertainment came from. WVTM and WBRC they they all had these like local shows. And a lot of them would make uh, entertainment for kids. It was this, uh, you know, this tradition going back to the, the the very early days of broadcasting when you would have, like, these local heroes on television. You know, these people, like, um, that would come on and do, like, these kiddie shows and show, like, Popeye cartoons. And, you know, very much like my favorite Roger Miller song, you know, Kansas City Star. Like, you know that song? Got a letter just this morning. It was postmarked Omaha. It was typed and neatly written. Offering me this better job. Better job at higher wages, expenses paid, and a car. But I'm on TV here locally. I can't quit. I'm a star. You know that song? It's all about this uh, this local uh, celebrity in Kansas City. You know, and he, he plays like this cowboy character like a lot of them did. It was like this stock character. That uh, a lot of like the usually it would be like the TV weatherman or like uh, just the TV news anchor, you know, somebody that they had at the TV station who the, the station manager would come to them and they'd be like, hey, we've got this whole library of like old cartoons and like horror movies and things like that. You know, would you want to host them? And they would create some kind of character for them. I think the most famous one was uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, there was Gilardi played by uh, Ernie Anderson. Right. Who would years later go on to uh, national fame as like the voiceover announcer for uh, ABC. You know, he'd be like the love boat. Right. And uh, yeah, Ernie Anderson. And of course, his, his son became Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, who just got nominated for an Academy Award for uh, making the movie Licorice Pizza. You know. <laughs> I come on TV grinning, wearing pistols and a hat. It's a kiddie show, and I'm the hero of the younger set. I'm the number one attraction every supermarket parking lot. I'm the king of Kansas City. No thanks, Omaha. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you know. And yeah, it's just they, they, would, uh, they would make these public appearances. You know, all the kids would sign their autographs, and it was something really big to just be part of that last generation, to like see people like him here in Birmingham, you know, we had uh, cousin Cliff Holman, right? Cousin Cliff who had been doing television here in, in, in Birmingham since the 1950s is the same character, right? Yeah. He would, uh, 
he would indeed he would like come on television in the afternoons and it was like a big deal to watch cousin cliff i mean of course like by the time i was probably seven or eight years old i had like outgrown him i mean he did shows for really little kids right and yeah he died in september 8th 2008 in albertville alabama but yeah, as a kid, it was always this thing, this like a uh, floating promise that my parents made to me that, you know, like they would take me to go see Cousin Cliff's show. And uh, they never did. But I think like secretly, they probably sensed that I was like scared because going to see Cousin Cliff was like, I mean, that, he was like not only a celebrity, but he was like the celebrity to me from the time I was probably four to about six years old. Um. He was the guy that I just watched every single afternoon. And uh, when my parents said that you may be able to meet him, you know, he lives here in Birmingham. It was so weird. It's like, you mean I'm sharing the same zip code as Cousin Cliff? And they're like, no, he lives in Birmingham. We live in Moody. It's two different zip codes. But, you know, kind of. <laughs> it's like, you mean I'm sharing the same polluted air as Cousin Cliff, right? <laughs> See, there, because like in the uh, 80s, Birmingham was still very much polluted. Kansas City Star That's what I are Yodelay You ought to see my car <laughs> I can't yodel Half as good as Roger Miller Not even half a fraction as good But you know there he is so, yeah, the, the song's all about how, you know, the, 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 the Kansas City star, you know, the, the local hero, this kitty cartoon host, right, would just, like, have it made. You know, they, he would get, like, a, a nice big Cadillac and drive it all over town, and uh, everybody would know him. You know, he would go get his hair cut, like I do, like at the barber, and the barber tells him jokes, right? And he goes down to the grocery store, and he has credit. You know, he doesn't need a Chase Freedom Unlimited card. They just know him so well that they just like let him go in, grab whatever he wants, you know, milk, bread, and just walk out of it and they, out, out of there and they, they just know he's good for it. So, <laughs> right? Let me see if I can like get some video of Cousin Cliff. I was actually watching one of his shows a while back. I don't know if this is it, but like this girl that I went to school with was actually on it. There he is, Cousin Cliff. And I want y'all to blow on this. All right, everybody blow. Ooh, that's good. Some of y'all got hot breath. See, that'll hatch the egg. You want to hatch it? Yeah. All right, let's hatch the egg. Blow it again. Which one of y'all had onions? No, nobody. All right. <laughs> okay, let's see if we're hatching the egg. Oh, look. Ooh, ooh. Wait a minute. The dinosaur egg. Look, it's hatching. Ooh, looky here. Look at that dinosaur. Oh. Is that a dinosaur? Yeah. What do they call these? Is it uh, Tyrannosaurus? Yeah. Is that a... Okay, Tyrannosaurus Rex. And look, see? He ate the egg. Did you know the dinosaurs eat the eggs? See there? Yeah. The shell. He came so he's like... Egg. He's doing a magic act here shell. for all the kids. So there wouldn't be anything left, see? Well, I'm glad that happened, aren't you? Well, I like those dinosaurs. Let's see. Watch him. I'm going to pet him. Oop, oop, oop. 
Watch it. Oh, look at him jump. Oh, oh. God. Man, I don't want him to do that. Whew. You know how to make him jump? I'll show you that after a while, okay? Let's see who's having a birthday. Oh, I love birthday parties. I go to a bunch of them, and I love to sing happy birthday. We'll sing after a while, okay? Where's Heather? Heather, hold your hand up. Here's Heather. Schmidt. Look at all these kids. Just like, they're, they're terrified here. To be on television. <laughs> they're terrified, you know? And that, that would have been me. I was glad my parents never took me to see, you know, Cousin Cliff or whatever. I don't know. But it's, it's, it's again, it's another bizarre kind of thing because when I got older and I kind of got plug, plugged into Birmingham, you know, I, I guess I, I came here and, you know, started to like meeting all of these uh, people that I had grown up watching, watching on television, especially um, as a, as a student uh, getting a bachelor's degree in communications. It was like my job to go to all these local you know, stations and intern there. And I would, I would meet all these people that I grew up watching. Um, of course, uh, cousin Cliff, you know, he, he, he would have been dead. Well, I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't on the air. I think he, he stopped doing his show in uh, probably the mid nineties. But, uh, I did meet his, his son actually does a lot of theater here in Birmingham, uh, Kyle and, uh, Kyle grew up and he, he was an actor uh, for a while, and I, he was like in one of the sleepaway camp horror movies. And then uh, years later, when I was doing uh, like a in a sketch comedy group, Kyle would always be one of those guys that would like come to our shows, and he would like hang around. And uh, he was in some of our sketches and movies that we made and things like that. And then I think he he founded like the uh, the Atrox Haunted House. I think that was uh, that's his big what he does now. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, it's it's just um, that was uh, that's cousin Cliff. I always just had this like image of the guy, or maybe not of cousin Cliff. I don't want to sound offensive or anything, but I always just imagined that like the hidden meaning in Kansas City Star by Roger Miller is that this guy is like just like a serious hound, like with the ladies. You know, it's like the kids love him and everything, and like all their moms kind of flock to him too because it's like oh he's good with kids you know he's like this kind of ultimate father figure and then he probably just like kind of goes through them or something like he goes through socks i don't know <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh yeah but yeah at the very end of the song roger miller's like stay tuned gonna have a pop pie cartoon in a minute right <laughs> and then the strum burn you know that's my favorite roger miller song i love that song i can't play it right now because i get copyright struck Okay. But uh yeah, fantastic. Cousin Cliff Holman, right? Memories of him. We're not in Kansas City, but uh if Roger Miller lived here or he visited here, he would have written a song, you know, about uh Cousin Cliff. And with that being said, it's Saturday night. 
and the time is right to go down to our favorite place. Yes, the Video Street Video Store. Let's go down there and check out their new stock at the Video Street Video Store. Thank you so much. Once again, I'll be here right after this flick. Hi. Yes, this is Katie. Um, I, I spoke with your agency about sending over a motivational speaker to help me with some training for my associates today. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, there's a young man standing here who claims to be a celebrity impersonator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what you thought that I wanted, I see. Great. Thank you. Okay. It looks like we'll be working together today. Doug? I don't know why you couldn't have just gone to my website. I have hundreds of clips posted. My Austin Powers is through the roof. Mm-hmm. You want a motivational speaker? I am motivation. Awesome. So, where do I change? You just go out that door and take a right. It's gonna be the best training video ever. Hollywood video game crazy movie gallery associates. I'm here to welcome you to the team and to help you reach your full potential as top-notch salespeople. And as an added bonus, I've invited a very special guest here today. He is none other than the star of Wolverine, the Australian super honk, Hugh Jackman. Put your hands together! I'm out for blood! No code of conduct, no law. This guy's scaring me. I'm a customer. I'm standing here waiting for guidance. You know what movies I like? Do you know what kind of games I play? Are those butter knives? Get out from behind that counter and get to know me. Hugh Jackman doesn't even use his Australian accent as Wolverine. OK. Wolverine here may be a little odd had a bit psychotic but he does make a very good point and it's important that you mean you mean the bit about no code of conduct no law no the part about getting out from behind the counter and getting on the sales floor but the code of conduct was really really good yeah your releases are along that wall alphabetically you have a revolutionary road, is that in? Uh, yeah, it should be under the R's. Okay, thanks. No problem. Crikey! Sounds like Crocodile Dundee. My heart, That customer needed help and had to go looking for it. That, that should never happen. Someone should always be there to greet him, or at least find out what he was looking for on the new release wall. That was a missed opportunity to approach a customer, the first step in selling. You should only be behind the counter when ringing up a customer. Other than that, get out on the floor. You heard the lady. Get out on the floor. Excuse me. Do you have a revolutionary road? Yeah, I sure do. It's actually right over here. On the oh, great. Releases. Great. 
See? See how much better that was out here on the floor where the customers are? Huh? Doug? Back me up. Doug? Oh. Doug's gone. Have you seen Confessions of a Shopaholic? It's a great movie. It has Isla Fisher in it. She's currently dating Sasha Baron Cohen, who's going to be in the new Bruno movie. It's such a great romantic comedy. Hey, it's Wolverine. Where are your butter knives at? Hello, my name is Juno, and I'm like totally with child. Honest to blog, that is discourteous service or whatever. Watch this. How did you get that angle from where you're standing? Um, Juno's right. Let's let's see it done the correct way. Have you seen Confessions of a Shopaholic? It has Isla Fisher in it. She's dating Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, yeah. Stand side by side with a customer, not in front. In front of them, you're a typical salesperson. But beside them, you're their friend. Now, that's what I call totally great service and stuff. <laughs> it's like, do I sound like Juno? Doug, they said. I'm gonna go kick it old school in the library section. Cool. That's actually a good point, Doug. Um, Juno. The library is where movies go when they leave the new release wall. There are a lot of great titles in there, and oftentimes the exact title a customer was looking for but didn't know it. And the price makes the library section a great value. Sport, how's it going? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Just looking for something to watch this weekend. Now that football's over, I'm kind of feeling the withdrawals you know, until baseball starts. Basketball, it's okay, but it's kind of boring until playoffs. So you're getting Bull Durham. See anything else by Ron Shelton? My who's it? Shelton, he directed Bull Durham. He did other sports movies, too. He did Tin Cup, Play to the Bone, and White Man Can't Jump. Really? How about you take me to this uh, Ron Smelton section right now? Can you do that for me? Let's go. There are cues you look for. Maybe what they're wearing will tell you where they work or what they do for a living. Maybe they have kids with them that have clothes or toys with certain characters on them. All of these cues can give you ways to approach a customer. Can I find anything today or? Oh, no, thank you. I'm just looking. Awesome. Have fun looking then. Okay. Lame. Totally beyond lame. Do over, please. I love that movie. Oh, I know. Sandra Bullock is an amazing actress, and I love romantic comedies. Me too. Do you remember her in Hope Floats? I love that movie. <laughs> romantic comedies? <laughs> Lame. Gag. Come on, let's go this way. You know, asking... Can I help you find anything? It's bound to just get you an answer of no. I'm just looking. You know, you really got to find out what makes them tick. You know, get inside their head. Good job, Brittany. Good. Here's your shirt. What's this? Hey, The Office. <laughs> I totally dig this show, man. Have you, like, seen the original BBC series it's based on? No. What are you talking about? It's really rad, like way darker than the Steve Carell version, huh? but totes brilliant. Are you into like cringe-inducing comedy? I sure am. Hey, I'll totally show you where it is. Okay. 
Wow. Way to go, Juno, huh? I mean, he's to she was totally sweet and not a trace of that angsty teen stuff she's so good at. So now that we talked about the approach, let's talk about engaging the customer. I think we should also show our customers that we're really fun and cool people to be around, you know? So I'm gonna bring Doug out to play the customer. Okay, we are engaged. My name is Borat. I'm a customer. You say engage the customer. So, okay, I say yes. Okay. We are engaged to be married. Very nice. Whoa, hey. Anyway, did you know that the customer will actually teach you how to sell to them if you pay attention to the messages that they send to you? It's true. Listen up, people. It was a holiday movie, Easter, or was it All Hallows? Well, it was part four of something, and it had the little woman in it, and she was paired with the big man. Oh, that was Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon, the movie Four Christmas. Yeah, that was it? Yeah, we have that, and if you like Reese Witherspoon, her Lily Blonde movies, they're totally hilarious. Ooh. I think one movie will probably be enough. My grandkids need some exercise, and they get enough TV as it is. <laughs> They did say on the weather report that it might rain this weekend. My grandkids do have one of those, oh, I don't know, a, a why or a, or a whoa or a, a... Sounds like your grandkids have a wee. Wee. They would love Active Life Outdoor Challenge. It's an amazing game to play with friends, and it's a great workout. Mm. Have you seen our game zone? We have all the new and used Wii games, and you can even pre-order upcoming titles. Ah. See? She's really listening, and she's being attentive and patient. It's right over here. Let me show you. This lady loves her. Hello, my name is Borat. Oh, hello. Borat, you're very, very beautiful. I like make you my girlfriend. No, absolutely not. Very nice. She wants me. High five. Oh, chief. Uh, yeah. Stop. Up we go. Sorry about oh. that. Absolutely, man. That movie was awesome. Have you guys played the Black Hawk Down game yet? We got it over at Game Crazy, man, to buy. So what other kind of games are y'all into? Oh, Metal Gear Solid 4. Oh, yeah, Mercenaries 2, World in Flames. Man, I love the way you guys think. You like action. Yeah, have you guys got a chance to play Little Big Planet yet? No. Dude, I know you're gonna love it. Uh, the level detail is insanity. It's very creative. There's no blood and guts or anything about that. <laughs> you are nerd, yes? Very nice. Oh. Nerd, four eyes. I am not a nerd. I am how you say it. Yes, dad. <laughs> nerd. Well, before Borat came in, Gabriel was doing a very nice job of asking open-ended questions, which are essential for getting to know what your customers need. He also did his homework. He really knew his stuff so he could offer guidance and suggestions. What are some other open-ended conversation starters? Team, what was the last movie you saw? What kind of comedies do you like? How many movies do you watch per week? What kind of game systems do you have? Will you be my wife? Okay, so this is the customer's perspective, and you can see we've laid it out with the library, new releases, 
<laughs> Can you tell me where I might find platform nine and three quarters? Well, no, Harry Potter. Um, but I can tell you that there's a very special customer over there who's interested in your movies. Dumbledore will be so pleased. Interesting section. I might recommend you try the whole series. Well, we've seen the first one. I'm just trying to figure out which one the second one is. All the covers seem to look the same. Ah, yes. Um, part two. Me and the Chamber of Secrets. Here it is. You mean Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? Precisely. Your baby's adorable, by the way. Perhaps she'll go to Hogwarts someday. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, when you're next in, you might have time for parts three through five and a revisitation of part one, the first film, Me and the Sorcerer's Stone. Absolutely. Thank you very much. As Harry Potter has shown, by focusing on the customer and not the sale, we make a much better impression. I mean, he also provided guidance, you know, because guess what? Our customers aren't always going to know what they want. It's up to us to help them out. I'll now put on my cloak of invisibility. It'll make my entire body disappear. Dude, we can still see you. Cannot! Look, I'm a floating DVD. Okay, I think we're good here. Let's move on. Now that you've got the customer's attention and trust, they'll be much more receptive to your advice on how they can add to their entertainment experience. Once these customers become your regulars, they'll even come to you looking for suggestions. was a uh, fun journey into the pop culture of about 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I haven't played a training video <laughs> on the uh, on the Video Street Video Store for a while. It was long overdue for that. Yeah, that was uh, that was a Hollywood video training video, and and you could just sense. In the performance of the clerks that were asked to appear in that video, those are those were real Hollywood video, video clerks. You could just sense it in their performance and look at their faces, like that this is just all about to end. <laughs> you know, just the the uh, the 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 era of video stores was so close to being over at that time. Netflix had already started streaming. 
You know, remember the early day of, days of Netflix when, when I mean, it was very obvious. It's like Netflix was just an option. You know, there was still very obviously, you know, go down to Blockbuster, right? It's like you would go on Netflix and there might be a couple of movies you actually would want to watch. And then everything else would be like fireplace ambience videos and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be another four years or so until Netflix really came into its own or so. So, uh, you know, they hung on there for a, for a while, and uh, that was Hollywood Video. Hollywood Video was uh, really in the last days of the video store, kind of my favorite place to go. Uh, they held on longer than any of the other chains, longer than Blockbuster, longer than uh, Movie Gallery, to still giving VHSs. They would still rent VHSs pretty much all the way until they closed, and uh and that was a very special thing to me because a lot of the movies that I wanted to see were, were never transferred onto DVD or Blu-ray. Um, I mean, these are the movies that, honestly, like the, the, the horror movies of the 80s and things like that, a lot of those, it eventually took like niche companies like Anchor Bay um, to or Shout Factory to release those. Um, into some kind of a digital format. So for years, all you could do to watch them was go to Hollywood Video. And so um, Hollywood Video, I used to go to it. It was in Vestavia, and I was going by it the other day. It's like a karate dojo now, right next to like a Donato's Pizza or something, right? It was uh, very depressing. Yeah, one of the things about driving now is yeah, I drive almost every single night uh, for Grubhub. I go out and do food delivery. And uh, it's a nice, relaxing way you know, just to spend the end of your day just driving around, listening to music or whatever, and rolling the window down. Of course, right now in February, it's kind of hard to do that, but just driving past all these places that uh, I've that 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 used to mean a lot to me in my life, right? These places where I used to spend my Friday and Saturday nights uh, going to with like friends and family, and uh, they're all closed now. And and these places have so much meaning to me, but uh, they 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 don't mean anything to anybody anymore. Not really. Not unless you like have like a futon or something that you want to store. <laughs> or whatever i mean yeah all these places now they're they're like uh they've been mowed over all the all the video stores and movie theaters and things like that they've been mowed over and uh they're they're putting like like these big storage buildings there now these these store it's it's just a it's a it's a great irony to me that the, these places where you used to like buy and acquire all of these things you now store them there, right? In these new storage buildings. I don't know. Another interesting, you know, development in the urban landscape in the past 10 years or so has been all these plasma donation centers, these places where you, like, go and get hooked up to a needle and donate your plasma, which I have no doubt that that serves a very good purpose, right? But again, it's like this odd thing that 
you used to go and buy products at these places, and now you go there and you are the product, right? I, I can't escape thinking that very thing every time I uh, pass one of these places. All right, so I've been talking for a good long while. I'm going to end it there on that sour note. It wouldn't be the Midnight Citizen Show if I didn't leave you with a sour thought to think about for the week. Hopefully you'll find your happiness somewhere else. But uh, until then, I'll have to do. Thank you so much for joining me here tonight. I'm Mike Booty. This is the Midnight Citizen Show that you've been listening to. Uh, once again, you can find me online at mikebooty.com slash themidnightcitizen. You can find links there to... Listen to me on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Mike Booty. It's interesting, you know, this week I uh, I joined this uh, Nextdoor uh, app where you can, like, connect with people who live in your neighborhood. I've got I've got a friend who's kind of a big, who's, who's a big fan of it. So I was going on there, you know, like, looking at Nextdoor and, one thing I can't believe, first off, is like how many stray dogs there are roaming around my neighborhood. Every time I open it up, there's like a stray cat or a stray dog. If somebody's like, who does this belong to? Please come get your dog, right? But, uh, you know, I, I joined the Nextdoor app just on the hopes that somebody, you know, may want to listen to my show because I've always envisioned the Midnight Citizen show going all the way back to when I started over 10 years ago is something that... Uh, more so for anyone else would be a show for people who live in Birmingham, right? I've, I've kind of always wanted to be like that Cousin Cliff local hero type. Not to get too diluted with grandeur. But I always thought that uh, people who lived in Birmingham would find it interesting to have a guy here who talks about a lot of things, but most often talks about, you know, the city, right? Where they live. And so... So yeah, I put my show up on Nextdoor this week, and you know I got some uh, some a couple of nice responses. I mean, I, I'm, their comments are not just over flooding my inbox. My old uh, linguistics professor from UAB reached out to me and said, uh, "Thank you for posting." So that was nice of him. <laughs> he lives in the same neighborhood as me. Yeah. And then th this one person posted a comment that said I was going to listen until until it looked like I had to download. I'm not going to download anything. Well, you know, you, you can stream it right off the website. Uh, you don't have to download it. That That's, you know, you, you always have the option to stream. So I doubt that person is listening to me anyway, but uh, just know that, you know, learn from that. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys, until next time, thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you next Saturday night. Keep your eyes open. Thank you. Mm -hmm.